Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. I want you one more time to stand with me as we make Bob Sorgifield's welcome to come minister the Word of God. Can you stand with me as we just honor him tonight? Thank you, my friend. to be speaking on sexual consecration tonight. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time together in your word, and we ask for grace to abound to us in the speaking and the hearing. Holy Spirit, we invite you now to come and move in a precious way among us because we're not holding back a single moment of our lives from you this entire time. Tonight, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tyler, I really like that line. I'm not holding back a single moment of my life. So when we come back after this message, I think take us there. Maybe start off like here and let it build. Galatians 5.24 Those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We all want to live that verse. But how do we do it? Especially when it comes to something like sexual temptation. I would like to share with you tonight a from the Word of God that has been a game changer for me personally. It's in Job 31 verse 1. Job said, I've made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? I'm going to talk about a covenant with our eyes tonight. It's been a very meaningful scripture for me personally. Very quickly, the context of this verse. Incredible calamity has exploded in Job's life, and the big question in the book is, why? And Job is making a very profound statement in chapter 31. He is saying, he says, I'm telling you guys, it's not because of this, 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 or this. And he starts to list in chapter 31 the things that he has held to in integrity before the Lord. And at the top of his list, verse 1, he says, I made a covenant with my eyes as regards sexual consecration. And in the context of the story, here's what he means. What has happened to me is not because of compromise with my eyes. He said, I made a covenant with my eyes before the Lord. Now, he, he did not say he made a commitment or a resolve. He used the big C word, <laughs> covenant. It's a huge word. 
and must never be violated on pain of consequences. I want you to notice that our scripture tonight, Job 31 verse 1, does not come as a command. The Bible does not say, you must make a covenant with your eyes. It comes in the form of a story. So I see it as an invitation to us. Now, what the Bible does command is absolute purity. What it doesn't command is how you get there. So whatever tool works for you, fantastic. So if you're able to walk in absolute purity without having a covenant with your eyes, we celebrate you. But I kind of feel like this. If the Holy Spirit has given me a tool in the Word to empower me in this fight, I might be wise to give it some serious consideration. My story with Job 31 verse 1. I'm in my secret place and I'm reading through the Bible. I just do this. I read through the Bible all the time. And so I had come in my Bible reading to Job and I love Job. He's my buddy, Michaela. I just, so I love the guy. I love the book. I'm in, I'm enjoying the whole read and I know chapter 31 is coming. Finally, it's my chapter 31 day. I am ready for this. I, I have written a book on Job. I have preached this stuff. It's been, it's important to me. And I'm like, yes. So I'm in Job 31 verse 1. And I'm doing what I always do when, I, when I'm reading the Bible. I just talk to the Lord about the verse I'm reading. And so I'm having this conversation with the Lord, something like this. Yes, Lord. I'm signing up all over again. I don't want to see her. I want to see you. Yes, Lord, give it to me again. Come on, Lord. I want, I'm all over again. Let's do this. Yes, Lord. And so I'm just talking like that to the Lord. Yes, yes, yes. And the Holy Spirit kind of interrupts all my yeses and goes, you know, you've never actually done it. And I was like, well, if you mean make a covenant. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously I've never done that. I mean, that would be ludicrous. I made a covenant with my wife at the altar. You know what I'm saying? I just don't go around making covenants every day. Of my life. Obviously, I have never done anything so stupid as make a covenant with my eyes. But I was busted by the Holy Spirit. I'd been saying yes to the verse and never actually said yes to it. And now I am under pressure. What is God saying to me? I'm feeling the pressure of the covenant word. This thing scared me so much, I took a week to process because I'm like, I've got to, well, Lord, what are you saying to me? After a week of praying and processing, it seemed to come clear. I think God is inviting me, if I 
want to make a covenant with my eyes. And I think he's saying to me, if I say yes to it, he'll help me. And I was like an invitation of grace. I just don't think I want to deny an invitation of grace. I prayed about it and decided I'm going for it. So it was, uh, I've lost track, was it? I don't know how many years ago it was now. It was, uh, okay, 2006, 13 years ago. Wrote it in my journal, dated it, gave a real big offering <laughs> because I couldn't afford to forget this one. You know what I'm saying, Jordan? And now I am in covenant with God about what my eyes will and will not look upon. Scariest day of my life. <clears throat> so I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to share my, I'm going to, from my perspective, my story and what it means to me. Now, I'm not going to talk about it tonight because I have conquered this thing we call sexuality. How many know there's some stuff you don't fully conquer until you're buried six feet underground? There's some stuff you just have to recognize you're going to deal with some stuff for the rest of your days. So I haven't conquered it, but I will tell you my testimony. The day I made that covenant with my eyes, I hope you're listening to me tonight, Benny. The day I made that covenant with my eyes, it was like I crossed a line. I stepped into a dimension of victory with Jesus that was immediate. It was measurable. It was real. And it's continued to the present day. So I'm just going to share with you. Look at your life as a castle. In ancient times, castles, they would build these huge castles and, you know, big walls. And then they would put an iron gate for entry and exit. And when invading armies would come against one of these fortresses, they would always target the gate because the gate is the most vulnerable part of the whole structure. If they can get in the gate, they can get in the city. If they can get in the city, it's over. The enemy, when he wants to target us in the area of sexual temptation, comes after the gate. Hear it carefully. The gate to our sexuality is the eyes. He's after the eye gate. Because if he can gain entrance to the eye gate, then he gets on the inside of the castle. Our thought life, our fantasies, our inner life, he wants on the inside. We've got to get the gate shut. <clears throat> what 
your eye allows determines the nature of the traffic in your heart. If you've got a good eye, you have light everywhere. If you have a bad eye, then darkness has access. And the enemy is after our eye gate. How can we get that gate shut? Well, that's what we're talking about tonight. Making a covenant with our eyes. Once you get the eye gate shut, it's not that your battle is over. It's just you can now win the fight. When the enemy's on the inside of the castle, you can't, you can't, how do you fight that? Get the enemy on the outside of your castle, and now you can engage from a place of advantage and go after the ultimate conquest, which is 2 Corinthians 10.5, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's where it's really going. Is it news to anyone in this room tonight when I say there is a war on for the eyes of a generation? Is that news to anybody? I mean, just my brother here, he's got his device in his hand, and I think he's taking notes, or maybe he's surfing. I don't know what he's doing. Okay, he's taking notes. That little device in your hand wants your eyes. One click. It's a war for the eyes of a generation. And we know from the Bible that immorality is going to explode in the last days. So what's happening today is not a surprise to anyone that knows the Bible. What might be even more surprising is Revelation 14 says, at the end of the age, there's going to be this company that is walking in unprecedented purity. I think they've got it for the screen. Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. These are the ones who were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. They're following the Lamb wherever he goes. So the scripture says that at the end of the age, when immorality is at its height, there's going to be a generation walking in unprecedented purity. And I'm like, God, how are you going to get that kind of purity out of this end time mess? Answer, they will make covenants with their eyes. I'm persuaded, Pastor Gary, that's the answer. Lord, would you give us in Florida and across this nation men and women that will come into covenant with you, that will become mothers and fathers in the faith to raise up an end time revelation 14 generation undefiled virgins that follow the 
wherever he goes, just say it in your heart again to the Lord. I'm not holding back a single moment of my life from you, Lord. I want to be part of a Revelation 14 generation in the last days. So now, change the metaphor from a castle to a car. See your life as a car. If you're going to drive a car effectively, you need to have a gas pedal and a brake pedal. Can I get an amen in Florida? Same is true for your life in terms of walking in purity. If you're going to direct your life in purity with the Lord, you need to have a good gas pedal and a good brake pedal. For me, the gas pedal is the love of Christ and the brake is the fear of the Lord. You gotta have both. Uh, I want a gas pedal, the love of Christ. I want it to be like a fire inside of me. I want the love of the cross. Thank you for singing about the cross tonight. I want the love of the cross to arrest my heart, to fill me, to constrain me. To f I want a love to fill my heart so that when I'm headed in a right direction and I hit that gas pedal, the love of Christ, it catapults me forward to holiness and purity and obedience to Jesus Christ. And then I want a good a brake pedal so that when I get going in a wrong direction, I can hit the brakes. It's called the fear of the Lord. I want good brakes. I want the fear of the Lord to be like a fire inside of me that when I hit the brake, it stops me. <clears throat> I'm going to talk about both the gas pedal and the brake pedal. First of all, the gas pedal, the love of Christ. I have seen the cross. I have been apprehended by the love of the crucified Lamb of God. And now, out of devotion to my beloved Savior, I just want to do what pleases Him. I want to honor His Word. I want to walk in obedience. Every moment of my life now is given. I'm not holding anything back because He didn't hold anything back for me. Now I hold nothing back on Him. This love, I want it to be a flame in my spirit. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you, Judah, did I get it right? Judah, I'm going to tell you why I made a covenant with my eyes. It's really just one verse. The verse on your screen, Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Judah, that verse is everything I'm living for. I want to see God. I am wanting a first-hand encounter with the Lord Jesus himself. Somebody goes, well, actually, Bob, you are going to see Jesus one of these days. The veil's going to be removed, and when you get to the other side, you're going to look on him face to face. And I'm like, I know that. I want to see him on this side of the veil. I want to see you like Abraham saw you. I want to see you like Jacob saw you. I want to see you like, like I 
Isaiah saw you. I want to see you like Joshua saw you. I want to see you like Ezekiel saw you. I want to see you like Paul saw you. I want to see you like John saw you. Laid John totally out. I want to see you like Job saw you. You know, that's the part of Job's story that I love in the whole. It's the highlight of the book for me. At the end of the story, he's caught up in glory. And he says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. He saw God with his eyes. Hear this carefully. The man who made a covenant with his eyes was the man who one day saw God. I'm going back to the ancient spirituality. I'm going back to the old past. Jesus, I want a flame in my heart, a love for you. Give me a pure heart. Give me a fiery love for you because I want to see you. I want it to be like an inferno inside of me that when my life is going in the right direction, I hit the gas pedal into holiness, purity, consecration, affection, and obedience. Joseph, you've got to decide what do you want to see? Do you want to see her or do you want to see God? Joseph, you've got to decide what fire do you want in you? Do you want her fire or do you want his fire? You've got to choose your fire. You can't even, you can't have both fires. You got to choose. I've made my choice, bro. I want his fire. My flesh wants her fire, but I've been awakened in my spirit to the love of Christ, and I've made my choice. I'm crucifying the flesh so that I might enter into another kind of affection, a fire in the heart of God. I've chosen my fire. I want the love of God to be a fire, but if all you have is a good gas pedal, love of Christ, and have no brake pedal, hello, Florida, you are going to crash. I'm going to say it boldly. The love of Christ is not enough to keep you in purity. You gotta have the ass pedal, but you also have to have a brake pedal. That's a strong enough verse, uh, statement that I need a verse for it, so I'm gonna give you my verse for it. It's Revelation 2.19. Jesus is speaking to the church in Thyatira, and he commands them for their love. He says, I know your love. In other words, Thyatira, when it comes to love, boom, you people have got it. You've got the passion. You've got the, you, you, when it comes to worship, my goodness, what a worshiping church. But then he goes on to rebuke them for sexual immorality. They had a good gas pedal 
and they had a dysfunctional brake pedal. We need both if we're going to walk in purity before God. I need a good brake pedal. You know what? I've got a temptation in front of me, folks. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't need intermittent brakes. Hit, miss, no. I need a brake that works every time. There's only one brake that will actually stop you every time. And it's this. The sheer terror of the Lord. You're like, well, how do I come under that kind of terror? Well, this is what we're talking about tonight, making a covenant with our eyes. Well, I just explain why an eye covenant is so terrifying to me. I've got four reasons for it. Number one. This covenant involves our sexuality. When Adam and Eve had that accident in the garden, the brunt of the impact was taken in their sexuality. The first thing they said, we're naked. When it comes to the fall of man into sin, there is no area of our lives that has been more traumatized by sin than our sexuality. For some people in this room tonight, this represents some of our greatest struggle, some of our greatest failure, some of our greatest shame. It's very real. Why would I want to make a covenant with my eyes in an area that broken? The idea is just so preposterous that it just makes you want to tremble all the way through. It terrifies me. Second reason it's so scary for me, it's frightening because of the one with whom we're making the covenant. We are saying to God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, the commander of heaven's armies, who is a consuming fire and, and he takes no pleasure in fools. We are saying to that eternal flame of fire, my eyes will not look on it. This is scary. Third reason it scares me is because a vow provides no room for failure. Take, for example, marriage. Now, Tyler, I was not at your wedding, so, you know, correct me if I get this one wrong, but when you and Ken exchanged your vows, did you have this line in your wedding covenant? Did you say to her, sweetheart, I covenant myself to you for life. And if I ever have an affair, please forgive me. Mackenzie's <laughs> going, that was not in the covenant. Why? Because when you make a covenant, you are saying it will not happen. There's no provision for failure in a covenant. This thing is scary. Number four reason 
is so scary for me is because once you come into covenant with God, as long as that covenant is in force, you can't get out. You get married. You wake up the next morning, first morning of your honeymoon. You look at your brand new spouse and you go, oops. <laughs> Too late. You're stuck forever. Covenant is all together final. You can't get out. So when you consider a covenant with your eyes, when you understand covenant, I mean, the thing is so scary. You're just like, Bob, you are talking me right out of it tonight. Thank you. Listen, never fear the fear of the Lord. Wrap your arms around it, pull it into your bosom, and hold on for dear life. There's nothing safer. There's nothing cleaner. There's nothing purer than the fear of the Lord. <clears throat> okay, I've talked you out of it. Now let me try to talk you into it. Five reasons that I would like you to consider and I covenant. The first one I don't think is on your screen, so I'm gonna, number one is not on the screen because I just added this one, okay? Here's number one. <clears throat> we want to close the door to all the other options. We want to. Take marriage as an example. Anybody remember when they decided to get married? When you first decided to get married, your first response was like, yes, we're getting married. And then it started to sink in. I'm going to stand at that altar, look that person in the eye, and in the presence of God Almighty and all those people, covenant myself to them only for life. When you realize how terrifying a marriage covenant is, you're like, why do we do this? And the answer is, we actually want to. We actually want the terror of the covenant to secure and protect our marriage. We actually want to say to all the other four billion women in the world, no, four billion times over, I'm choosing you. We're saying no to the options. Same is true with an eye covenant. When you understand that it'll terrify you, but you actually want the terror of the covenant to secure your heart. Second reason for it. Now this one's on your screen. 
The terror of the covenant puts power into your brakes. I need power brakes when it comes to temptation. The thing that has put power into my brakes is the terror of the covenant. When there's an opportunity for my eyes to go somewhere, I need lights to flash. I need a siren to go off. I need thunder and lightning to explode that goes like this. No, I can't even consider it. I stood in the presence of God Almighty. I made a covenant before God with my eyes, and I can't even consider it. I need power breaks, and it's the terror of the covenant that puts power into your breaks. Number three, God responds to vows with greater grace. God's just into covenant. It jazzes him. He, he, he's stoked by it. I, I, I don't know why he likes this so much. Maybe he's into the audacity of the thing. Maybe he's just like, you're willing to go there? I'll go there. You'll give more. I'll give more. You're putting all your chips in. I'll put all my chips in. And I've discovered that when we say yes to covenant, there comes a release of grace from the heart of God. He'll match you with your extravagance, and he'll manifest his grace to help. Fourth reason for an eye covenant, there's a realm of intimacy and covenant that is just fantastic. And now this one, I'm just going to talk from experience. When you enter into covenant with God on whatever area, there's an intimacy that happens in covenant. I promise myself to him. He promises himself to me. I give myself to him. He gives himself to me. I abandon myself to him. He abandons himself to me. I have eyes only for him. He has eyes only for me. And when it comes to vows and covenant, there's a dimension of intimacy that is just fantastic. And my final reason, I'm trying to talk you into it now, my final reason is covenant can take you places in the grace of God that resolve won't. How can I talk about it? Lord, help me right now. <clears throat> I'm going to say this. Most areas of the Christian life are lived at the resolve level. 99%. But there is that little 1% of, of our walk with God Christ in which the scripture actually invites us to go to the covenant level. And the eyes is one of those rare areas that there's an invitation to take it to covenant. And now, now here's, here's the positive side of resolve. It's safe. Because when you make a resolve in your heart, 
Lord, I'm resolving. I'm giving my eyes to you, and I'm resolving by your grace. You blow it. Well, you just pick yourself back up, get back in the race, receive his forgiveness, and he just, he says, I'm winning. Come on, let's do this thing. Let's go for it. At the resolve level, there's provision for failure. But now here's the downside. You make a resolve. Lord, I'm giving my eyes to you. Then something happens and you're like, uh, repent, get the blood of Jesus on me. Now pick myself back up, hit, delete, get back in the race. I'm resolved. And then something happens. Uh, repent, blood of Jesus, hit, delete, pick myself back up, get back in the race. I'm resolved. Thank you, Lord, for your help. And then something happens. I'm like, uh, repent. Blood of Jesus, pick myself back up, hit delete, get back in the race, I'm resolved. And then something happens. And at the resolve level, what happens sometimes is we find ourselves in cyclical patterns of failure that we never really get on top of 100%. And I can imagine somebody in their heart thinking right now, like, like, you know, Bob, when it comes to the, this area of the eyes and stuff, I'm going to be honest with you. Eyes have such a struggle that I already live under a low-grade feeling of struggle and incompetence and brokenness and failure before the Lord. And I think if I was to take it to covenant and then blow that, I think it could suffocate me. Okay. But is it possible that the reason you've gotten up 98% of the mountain and then fallen back, and then up 98% of the mountain and then fallen back, and then up 98% of the mountain and fallen back, is it possible the reason you have not crested this mountain is because you have stayed back in the safety of resolve? Is it time to burn the bridges? Is it time to go all in, sell everything, and go for the pearl of an eye covenant? I believe an eye covenant has the potential, the power, if your experience is like mine, it has the power to carry you over this mountain into another dimension of victory and overcoming that your heart longs for. I am so persuaded, Tyler, of the power and the grace of God and covenant that I'm willing to bring this message tonight at Glad Tidings. So now the question that everyone in the room has, okay, suppose I enter into an eye covenant and then violate it. What does God do then? We don't know. It's kind of like in marriage. If you were to ask me, Bob, what would your wife do if you had an affair on her? I'd have to tell you, I don't know. Because
because if I have an affair on my wife, I hand all the cards to her. She can do whatever she wants. She can strangle me. She can divorce me. She can separate. She can fight for the marriage. It's the whole gamut, and you just don't know. And I don't ever want to find out. <laughs> same is true with God. You break a covenant with God. He holds all the cards. He can do whatever he wants to do. What did God do with covenant breakers in the Bible? Well, some of them he killed. Some of them he chastened. Some of them, on the other extreme, this is the book of Hosea, he gets down and begs them to come back. It's the whole spectrum. And yet, just don't know. And I don't ever want to find out. So what I'm going to do, before I make a covenant with my eyes, I'm going to count the cost. Do I have what it takes if I start to build this tower? Do I have what it takes to finish the tower? And so I want to be very clear tonight. There is not a single person in this room tonight that is permitted to make a lifetime covenant with your eyes tonight. You are not allowed. Somebody goes, but the Holy Spirit was there and Bob was anointed and I just went for it. You can't do it. It's too important to do in the fire of a Wednesday night. You know, we're all singing here. I'm not holding back a single moment of my life. Yes, Lord. No, a lifetime covenant with my eyes. I'm going to weigh that prayer. I'm going to process. I'm going to get some wise counsel and do it very carefully if the Lord should lead me in that way. So if you were to ask me, what would God do if I make the covenant and then violate it? I got to tell you, I don't know. But if you were to ask me, Bob, how have you handled bumps? Well, let's talk. Because I've had some bumps along the way. Did you know that there are bumps in the area of covenant? There's the difference between a violation and a bump. Let me use, for example, in marriage. Here's an illustration of a bump in a marriage. A man says to his wife, sweetheart, I, I, I saw another woman today and I just didn't like what happened inside of me and stuff happened that, that I'm, just, I, I'm just confessing it to you, sweetheart. I want you to hold me accountable. I want you to pray with me and, and help me fight with me on this thing. Your wife will pray with you. It's a bump. Now suppose a man says to his wife, okay, here's the violation side. Suppose a man says to his wife, Sweetheart, I slept with another woman last night. Would you pray for me? Okay, Benny, she's not going to pray for you, bro. <laughs> it's a violation. So, understanding the difference between bump and violation, I want to bring it to an eye covenant. Jordan. For me, this would be a violation of my eye covenant. 
do a search. Click the link, open the page, and sit down. It must not happen. But bumps. I've had some bumps along the way. I can tell you some. Okay, I will tell you. I'll tell you one of the bumps I had. I've had a few. Kind of bruised me up a little bit, to be honest, Jude. I've had a few bumps along the way. Not violations, but I got bruised up. I'm online. I re Okay, I happen to be one of these guys that reads CNN News on this page and Fox News on this page, and I toggle between the two. So I'm on CNN online, and I see this article, and I'm like, what is that? Curious. I think I'm safe, because I'm on CNN, you know what I'm saying? So I click the link, and it takes me to a page where I'm like, what are they doing here? What is this about? And I'm reading, and I'm trying to figure the thing out, and there's this photo there, and it's, it's, it's not, it's not R-rated, but it's seductive, you know what I'm saying? And, and so there's the photo, and I'm like, what is, and, and I'm about two minutes into the article when it finally hits me. This is exactly what my eye covenant is trying to protect me from. What am I reading the thing for and looking at that image? And I shut the thing off after two minutes. For me, it wasn't a violation. It was a bump. And here's what I've discovered. When I'm bumping my way along in my eye covenant, the Spirit isn't like a referee with a red card in his hand looking to flag me at my first infraction. He's actually my greatest advocate. He's my greatest cheerleader. He's actually enjoying me in the journey. And here's what he said to me. He said, I love how that bump bothered you so much. And he enjoyed how I'm, he actually enjoys when I bumble my way through my high covenant, not violating, but getting bruised up a little bit in the journey. And then he spoke this verse to me from Song of Solomon 4, verse 1. You have dove's eyes behind your veil. Your veil is your vow. And behind the veil of your eye covenant, you have set your eyes on me only. I'm the only one you want to see. I'm the only one you're chasing after. I'm the only one. And he says, you've got dove's eyes behind your veil. Now, one of the questions of an eye covenant that we just don't have time to deal with tonight is how does this apply to women? And I've got a chapter in my book, A Covenant With My Eyes. I never thought that I would write a book on it, but after walking in the covenant for a few years, the Holy Spirit began to put pressure on me to write it. My big question was, what about women? And so I actually did a survey, and I 
pulled and, and got some input from a bunch of different women on how the I covenant applies to women. And so it's in chapter 12. That's all I'm going to say. So sisters, there is a chapter for you to make it relevant. And I hope that uh, that is helpful to you. Let me just close quickly with this. Vows are not necessarily always for life. For example, the Nazarites, they would make a covenant with God and they would have a time limit on it so that after the time had expired, they were released from the covenant. So here's, here's, a, here's a thought. If you have an interest in your heart, like you, you're like, Lord, I want to respond tonight. I want to go somewhere with you on, with this. Would you want to make an eye covenant tonight? for 24 hours. Test drive it for 24 hours. Lord, for the next 24 hours, I covenant with my eyes. In fact, I think we might even have a sample covenant for the screen. I've got some samples in the book that you can read. Really, I want you to craft your own wording, but you can say some, say to the Lord, Lord, for the next 24 hours, I covenant my eyes in this way. And then after 24 hours, you're released from it, but you might, you might go, you know what? This last 24 hours was so sweet with Jesus. I'm going for three days. <laughs> and then you might, after three days, go, you know what? That was so sweet. I'm doing an eye covenant for a week. Enjoy victory for a week. You might want to go to a month. You've been there from, from there maybe to a year. My point is you can grow into it if you want to. I'm closing now with a story. I was on a trip. I was going to a conference and a young worship leader was going with me. At the time, I think this brother was around 25. Actually, I think you sing one of his songs in your church here. So he's the worship leader at the event. I'm the preacher at the event, and we're traveling together on the airplane. We get to, uh, get to an airport, and he says to me, he says, I want to tell you the prayer that I pray every morning. Now, I can't talk to him because of this. And we're seated across. And so I kind of motion, like, come on, you know, tell me. I want to hear it. And now, to give you the context for his prayer, he's got Revelation 2, verse 16 in mind. Jesus speaking to the church of Pergamos. I think we have it for the screen. Revelation 2, 16, Jesus said, Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Jesus, in addressing immorality in the church in Pergamos, speaks of fighting against them with the sword of his mouth. You do not want Jesus fighting against you with the sword of his mouth. I promise you do not want that. My young friend, he says, here's my prayer. When I get up in the morning and my feet hit the ground, the first words I have to say to the Lord, something like this, Lord, if I do anything with my eyes today 
violate our covenant, I invite you to fight against me with the sword of your mouth. But if I please you with what I do with my eyes today and honor you, I'm asking you to bless me, put favor on my life, open doors for me that no man can shut. And I'm in the airport looking at this 25-year-old kid going, no, I can't talk to him, but I'm thinking, who are you? What kind of a 25-year-old kid prays this kind of a prayer? I will tell you, there is a generation in the earth today. I think I'm talking to them this evening. A generation in the earth today that is giving all of their heart to Jesus. They are virgins following the Lamb wherever He goes. They've burned the bridges. They're buying the pearl of an eye covenant. They've given everything to the Lord. And I'm asking, Lord, would you, would you, would you empower us to come into this kind of covenant with you? Would you give us mothers and fathers in the room? They're young now. They're going to become mothers and fathers leading a generation, a revelation, 14 generation. They do not love their lives even unto death. They're willing to lose their life so that they can gain it for eternal life. Burning the bridges, buying the pearl of an eye covenant. Jesus, put grace, pour grace upon this generation, I pray, in the greatest warfare that the world has ever seen on a generation. One click. Lord, would you lavish your grace and power on this generation, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I realize that there are questions that this message will service. I hope the book will help you with those questions. And I realize that when I bring a message like this, for many of us in the room, we've never heard this kind of a message before. And it's going to take you some time to process this. So we're going to have an opportunity to, to respond to the Lord right now. But you do not have to have it figured out tonight. What God is saying to you, I, I think he's just going to ask you, are you, are you a yes in his presence? Lord, my heart is yours every moment. I want to give everything to you. And I'm not quite sure what you're saying to me about Job 31 verse 1. But I'm going to walk with you, engage with you. And I do want to say, Lord, give me the gas pedal that Bob was talking about. Give me the love of Christ that propels me into holiness and purity and give me that fear of the Lord that he was talking about, that break that will stop me when I get going in a wrong direction. If you want more of the love of Christ, you want more of the fear of the Lord, we want to bless you. If you would like to consecrate your eyes and just say, Lord, I'm coming with my eyes to present myself to you in my sexuality. Here I am, Jesus. Talk to me. I'm yours. Do we have 
people that can pray, prayer teams. If we have prayer teams, I'm going to invite the prayer teams to come up. The worship team's going to come up. You are going to be dismissed in just a moment. I think maybe Pastor Gary will dismiss us. Uh, and, and, and then at dismissal, if you would like someone to pray with you and bless you, we want to be available to do that. In fact, we might even put our hands over your eyes and bless your eyes as you consecrate yourself to the Lord. May the Holy Spirit give you clarity. May He speak to you in His Word. May you know how He wants you to respond to this message tonight. And may you have grace to follow Him and to walk with Him all your days because we're not holding back a single moment yes. of our lives from him, Pastor Gary. Amen. Bless the Lord. Let's stand.